And boom, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winter, and I'm here as always with Dr. Bear Paul Lando up here on the beautiful Smith River in the glorious state of Jefferson, where freedom still reigns supreme, and it is peak summertime. We hope everybody's having an amazing summer so far, or if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, enjoying your winter, which uh, is always fun too. If you're into the winter sports like we are, I'm actually kind of looking forward already to some snow, Bear, but... Uh, uh, enjoying the summer as of now, because we've had very favorable weather. Um, we had maybe one hot streak and it's just been in the seventies, low eighties all summer. Uh, while we could use some rain other than that, it's, uh, been paradise here. And, um, uh, we have been so happy with everything going on this summer, all the people visiting the farm, uh, coming to help out, uh, everything that's going on with the community. It's blossoming into this just amazing, uh, self-fulfilling, self-creating uh, entity uh, that we kind of birthed a couple years ago, and now it just kind of does its own thing. And it's just really been fun to watch and see it grow and, and people in the community connecting with each other and doing their own thing, which is wonderful. Um, of course, the Music and Sky community that's come out of it, the Reunion Summit community, uh, our co-op, which is just thriving. Uh, and if you'd like information on all of this stuff, you can find all this information on our website at alphavedic.com. That's A-L-F-A-V-E-D-I-C.com. Uh, we have uh, a wonderful online co-op you can join to get more information. Uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash alphavedic. That's where it's currently living. However, we are working to get off Patreon and have everything exist on alphavedic.com and eventually even have alphavedic decentralized on Cordal. That is all in the works and very exciting stuff. Um, so just stay up to date with us too on our Telegram, which is at t.me forward slash Alpha Vedic. That is a wonderful place to jump in the conversation. <clears throat> it's very active. And if you're more into a traditional forum setting, you can join us on Discord where we have uh, everything broken up by topic and tons of fun links being thrown in there every day. We have a really uh, interesting community there of people who are searching for truth and dropping knowledge bombs every day. So definitely check that out on Discord. Very, very fun. Today, we are excited. We have a wonderful guest. Benny Wills is an award-winning actor, poet, and presenter. Uh, he has devoted himself to living with purpose, being of service, and hastening the awakening this world so desperately needs. Benny is a communicator extraordinaire. He holds a Master of Fine Arts degree from the University of California, Irvine. UCI, baby. I didn't even realize that, Benny. That's what I grew up in Orange County. Hey, hey, curious. Uh, when were you going to UCI? Uh, I went there from 2006 to 2009. Oh, well, you're young. Um, I was going to ask, I? <laughs> yeah, I was, I used to go to a club called Metropolis, which was by UCI, but that was probably way before your time. Um, good for you, man. Um, that's great. Uh, well, uh, have to, did you live on campus there? I did. Yeah. I didn't know there was much of a light, a nightlife in Irvine or nearby, but. Well, this That's was cool. in the late 90s. So okay. <laughs> things late yeah. 90s, I was in middle school and high school. <laughs> oh man, I'm, I'm aging not that young, but I'll take it. <laughs> I'm aging myself, Bear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, nice try. I was in uh, I was in college during the Eisenhower administration. <laughs> there you go. 
Hey, hey, um, anyways, that's great. Um, I used to actually go to college basketball games there and stuff. I had a friend who played for Fullerton and we'd go watch him play UCI. Was it the UCI Anteaters? Is that what you guys yeah. are? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The Anteaters. Yeah. Zot, zot, zot. <laughs> that's quite a mascot. It is. Yeah. Did they, have, cool. did they have somebody come out in a big uh, Anteater costume or what? Uh, I don't know. I don't think there's. There's not a football team for UCI, I don't think. We had a pretty good baseball team. We throw this hand sign a lot, which is interesting. But um, oh. I don't really know much about the mascot. It's a cool one. I like the, you know, whatever. Yeah, like it's right up there with banana slugs for sure. Exactly, yeah. Um, the anteater would eat the banana slug, though. So, and then I, we, were the gaucho, <clears throat> we were the gauchos. I went to UC Santa Barbara. So uh, we were the crazy cowboys that threw tortillas out on the basketball court when we played you guys. So Irvine's oh. an interesting campus. Irvine, uh, I this is something I never talk about, but Irvine was built, the campus was built as a, in response to UC Berkeley because there were so many protests and things going on at UC Berkeley. They built the campus so that students would be unable to protest comfortably. Interesting. So they built the campus in a circle with all, with like the the park area, the, the lounging area in, in, in the middle with a bunch of trees and hills. So there's nowhere for students to gather to actually like protest anything. Just fun fact about UC Irvine. Oh, that sounds very Orange County. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's, that's classic. <laughs> and so what was it like being the only white man there? <laughs> Isn't it mostly Asian? Uh, I remember, there I remember are a lot of, well, I was in, the, <laughs> there are a lot of Asians. Um, I was in the theater department, so there oh. were, I, w I was amongst a lot of other white people. Yeah, that's where all the white people are in theater. <laughs> right. <there. laughs> so, oh, that's great, man. Well, to continue on, um, uh, uh, so uh, Benny is an acclaimed poet, MC, actor, teacher, and coach, and has appeared on stages and television sets around the world. He is also the co-creator of the YouTube comedy channel, Joy Camp. Uh, and uh, are you still doing Joy Camp? Uh I, I, I can never say we're done, but we're currently on an extended hiatus considering I don't live anywhere near my friends who I make the joy camp videos with yeah. anymore. But um, we try to make one, a video a year. Although I just saw my friends when I was in Los Angeles last week and we weren't able to film. So maybe that uh, goal needs to be readjusted, but yeah, we I mean, we, I think we'll keep making joy camp videos as long as we can keep seeing each other. But yeah, it's definitely not ever going to be uh, a consistently producing channel anymore. <laughs> well, uh, that channel is still up on YouTube, guys. And so just look Somehow. up uh, Joy Camp. Yeah, it's hilarious. Good stuff. Actually, way before I knew you from uh, Anarchapoco and stuff, I knew you from Joy Camp. So. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. um, so to continue, speaking fluidly from the heart, this is a quote mm -hmm. from Benny. Uh, with your emotions in check can unlock a world of opportunities that many never get to experience. Mm -hmm. Benny feels strongly that the world needs your voice. His Parhesia training was created to this aim and has taken the meaning of free speech to new dimensions. Communication is the key to success and Benny's immersive hands-on training has empowered many who have unlocked their voice and freed their speech through this brilliant methodology. Quote, even with your facts in order and truth on your side, most people probably won't want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> learn how to avoid or learn how to capture their interest, avoid arguments and build bridges. 
So here at AlphaCast, we couldn't imagine a more timely guest to help heal the current climate of contentious polarization. Uh, if you have ever felt mislabeled, misinterpreted, or misunderstood, you don't want to miss this episode with us today. We are in dire need of these types of uh, techniques and methodologies, and it makes sense with your background, knowing you come from drama and all that, that um, you uh, would, would be able to kind of navigate this better than someone like myself, for sure. Um, Bear Lando, uh, how are you today, sir? I'm doing great, gentlemen, and uh, good to be here. Really looking forward to this chat, Benny. Um, you know, I had a lengthy interview yesterday about microbes, so I'm really uh, <laughs> looking forward to talking about just regular <laughs> affairs or something besides sure. bugs. Uh, so, hey, hey Bear, can you know, we, I've been uh, a, uh, Bear, Bear, can we plug that real quick? So you were on with Andrew Kaufman and who, uh, what was that again yesterday? Oh, I was on one radio network. Really good. I, we went two and a half hours and uh, Andrew was with us for the first half. And uh, we kept it, you know, talking about bugs on the ground. You know, Andrew's brilliant. It's just ferreting out all the research and everything. So it's great. I always learn when I'm with him. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of gave some color commentary too. And then the second half, it was just myself and Patrick Timponi, who's a host of one uh, radio network. Uh, great talk. But then Patrick and I, tend to get a little bit more into woo-woo. So, you know, I, I was able to kind of take the conversation into the into the cosmos a bit. Great. I'll make sure to get that link to the community. So um, we'll we'll check that out. Thanks. Now it, it does in its title have um, you know, the the word for the beer bug in there. So we'll probably earn our third YouTube strike if we put it up, but um, well, we'll as I told Patrick yesterday, I'm kind of embarrassed to still be on YouTube. <laughs> so anyway, hey, thanks for being with us here today, Benny. And I've actually been a fan of yours. You know, one of my kids gave me a link to uh, Joy Camp, God, years ago, and got into it, really enjoyed the, the style of humor and everything. And, uh, you know, I'm one of those people that uh, when I'm trying to inform people, I have a tendency to data dump and, you know, 10 seconds in the conversation, you notice the eyes rolling back in the head of whoever you're talking to. And um, I actually used a few of your videos from time to time. And I remember one in particular, uh, your conspiracy guy, uh, you know, segments, and mm -hmm. I was... Um, trying to convince somebody that chemtrails actually existed. And instead of giving them all the info and everything, I just gave them a link to the one you did. It's two minutes, brilliant, just a nice, subtle humor and, you know, impacts people way more than all the information and everything. And I'm definitely a candidate for your uh, Parisian um, uh, training for sure. So, uh, yeah, it but, sounds like yeah, it. But, yeah. So uh, my first question, Benny, is... Um, so we, we went from Shakespeare to conspiracy. How did that happen? Uh, well, it kind of happened at the same time, to be honest. I, I started going down the, quote, rabbit hole, as it were, while I was in college. So I, was, I started living almost like a parallel existence. I was following this, you know, lifelong dream career path of really training, not, yeah, training to be the best actor I could be. I didn't want to just be a movie star. I wanted to be like, you know, a Daniel Day-Lewis type uh, nuanced actor. And simultaneous to that, I started watching videos online and reading content that started challenging pretty much everything I ever learned. 
and um, was grappling with that. So I was learning how to do Shakespeare and learning uh, about the other perspectives on everything at the same time. And then at a certain point, it got to it was just, it got to a place where I couldn't I couldn't justify following that career path anymore, and I had to just walk away. So I was studying Shakespeare and studying, for lack of a better term, conspiracy simultaneously. Great. And you notice I said conspiracy. No, I didn't put the theory word after that term there. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, I have some uh, a few conspiracies about Shakespeare as well. Oh, me too. So uh, <laughs> I don't think Shakespeare yeah. was, and, was with Shakespeare. Yeah, great. And and the whole have you gotten into the whole code behind Shakespeare, the the sonnets and so forth? I've I haven't tapped into it, but I've I've caught wind of it. It's intriguing. If you have any information on that, I'd love to love to hear it. Oh, it's really fun stuff. Yeah. Maybe we can talk about that yeah. a few minutes later, but, you know, tell us more about what you're doing now and, you know, just, just a little bit more, maybe how you got there. And, um, and, you know, you, you, what I love about you is you're taking your, you know, your talents and, and really using it to possibly make a difference in the world. And, you know, that's what we're all trying to do here. That's why we're hooking up today. So, uh, you know, hats off to you. So, um, maybe you could just expand on that a bit. Sure. Well, I think what you just said is uh, nails it. I mean, it's about taking what you're already good at and then, you know, maybe examining that and reapplying it in a way that's really helpful. I don't, you're not trying to get anyone, anyone to reinvent the wheel, but you already have skills, tools, knowledge, and in, insight inside of you that can, you can utilize to uh, help. And that's what it's all about. So that's what I've really done is I've taken... I've, it's basically like a amalgamation of everything I've I've done and and what I've achieved and what I'm good at and putting it into practice to be of service, and that's where I'm at. I mean, I the the best thing that's come out of the COVID nineteen pandemic for me is this course because it really prompted me to take action in a way that actually helped people. Where I've been creating content for almost a decade now that I think is helpful: comedy, poetry. And whatnot, but this, there was something about what happened last year with the polarization that made me say, okay, there is there there is a problem here, and I think I can help, and that's with communication, helping to fill fill that fill those chasms because I think division is one of the goals of uh, the powers that believe they be, and I'm determined to not make it so easy for them. Yeah, what we're really involved with right now is a propaganda war. Yes. And yes. so developing the skills that you teach is really fundamental to turning this thing around. Yeah, well, you mentioned the conspiracy guy. So conspiracy guy, that character was based off of me. I mean, that is me. I was, I was that guy when I was first really starting to question reality because I didn't have a filter. I didn't know... I didn't know I was going to get with resistance. You know, for me, it was like, oh my gosh, this is important information. People need to hear it. And it was when I was met with resistance, it wasn't even so much resistance 15, 16 years ago. It was more apathy. People didn't care. Now it's anger. People are like really angry when you bring up, you know, alternate perspectives. But I started harnessing a new way to communicate when I was in college. This is like seven, 17, 18 years ago now. So I've been working on this for a long time. Um, and I've, I've stopped being the conspiracy guy. I know how to not be the conspiracy guy, but still have conversations that are productive 
where I can bring up, you know, controversial points in a way that doesn't get me um, labeled and can actually, I can actually have a rapport. I can still talk to the person I'm trying to reach and uh, not turn them away. And therefore I think I can, I have, I can help. Cause I, I know what it's like to be seen as the conspiracy guy. I know how it's, I know what it's like to walk away from a conversation thinking, yes, okay. I planted some seeds. Yeah. And, and the, the main thing the propaganda arm has done with the institutionalized propaganda is just, they're brilliant at creating these labels. You know, I remember, um, a uh, number of years after the Kennedy assassination and people started questioning things, uh, just the incongruities were so overt. And so the, you know, they came up with that conspiracy theory. Right. Um, so it's, uh, it's pretty incredible because now you just uh, level somebody with an ad hominem attack and don't even hear the information, don't have any interest in their information because it's just like, oh, you're one of those guys. Exactly. And how many labels have we come up since conspiracy theorists? Boy, I, there's quite a list. Right. I know they've, uh, they've, ah, I, I always, I hesitate to use the term they, but it's for these purposes, it makes sense. There's a lot of landmines that have been set and more than ever. And to, and if you, if you step on one, in a conversation, they all go off. And now the person you're trying to reach most likely because of propaganda will automatically associate you with all kinds of other ideas and all kinds of people and jump to a conclusion and then be unable to hear you. So you have to have nuance. You have to try to walk around those landmines and it can be difficult, but with, uh, with some ninja-like skill, you can do it. And it comes with really resisting that urge that you mentioned of just like, well, here's the information. I'm just going to keep dumping it, dumping it on you and hopes that something will stick. That's what you have to stay away from, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. One, th one thing I found and we could get in, I'm sure we'll get more into detail on in your coursework and your strategies um, when dealing with family members, because I'm kind of over trying to talk to anybody in a super lame stream because it's for me, it's just like not worth my time. But with family and friends that I've known for 20 years that I have great relationships with who are what we call normies, even though I don't like that term, um, I find asking questions and just being funny about it, just being humorous. And I'm known as the wacky conspiracy guy. I have known, been known that for 20 years. And I'm the same way with you, Benny. I used to leave out in my like post-college dorm room friends where I roomed with in Santa Barbara, the David Icke books in the bathroom and stuff. <laughs> and I was like, guys, don't you know this? Like, you know, can't you see the connections with the bloodlines and the, the, the quote unquote royal elite and all these connections, with the banksters and blah, blah, blah. And they'd be like, dude, get this out of here. Like, what is this nonsense? But they would just mostly laugh. Right. It was kind of like laughing at me like, oh, you silly conspiracy guy. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Now you go 20 years forward. Those same friends are still kind of laughing. They're not angry. But if I was to do that on Facebook and drop those not that knowledge and information that I saw as important, obviously I've, I've evolved since then it's now anger and vitriol. So, um, but yeah, I was, my point was asking questions, right. Instead of making claims, is that a, a big part so, of it? So what's not to believe about reptilians? Oh, dude, the reptilians thing is on point. I still totally back that idea. And there's a lot of, um, 
of interesting um, stories of people working in DC and in major media, seeing literally reptilian faces in front of them and then morphing back to human. And there's a lot and a lot, a lot of those stories. I've, so. I've noticed you shaped a few times not to go from the keys not to go from something <laughs> controversial, like whatever the topic is you're talking about to jump to that part, that aspect, <laughs> that's when you lose them. But for us, you know, we can talk about that comfortably. Yeah. I don't get offended by ideas. But um, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't lead with that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, family's the hardest family is hands down the hardest. Um, and it's the most frustrating because they're the people you are sort of, you know, you're taught you're you love them, even though if you, even if you don't like them and you want them to be OK. So they're the they're the most difficult ones to have that conversation with and the most difficult to keep your emotions out of it because you care so much. Uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, if you want to get into the details of like what, what, what I would recommend, but, uh, I just know that there's no, per, there is no perfect recipe. I mean, I've had some people, I had a guy, I have a great testimony from a guy in the class who, who said that I thought I was going to get something from this and I got something different. And then what I got was better. And I love this testimonial because he's saying like there, I thought I was going to get some sort of playbook and how to navigate every single conversation and weave a web that's inescapable for people to, to get out from, and then they'll be changed. And it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you have to, there, but you can, you, but you can make progress it just depends on your approach and depends on the person, but there is no, like, it's not, it's, there's no magic spell you can cast to make sure they change their mind, but there are tactics. Yeah. Do you know, do you know who Michael Tessarian is? I do. Actually, he says he's fascinating because he's a warrior, right? Of truth. And he says, never end the conversation where they're on top. Always get that last jab in of, of leaving that little bit of so they leave the conversation going, wait, I should maybe go research that or I should. Oh, man. You know, so never leave with your head down on if you do get into one of these conversations where where um, they feel like they've they've sealed the deal on their truth. And, you know, and when we're discussing with someone who's really much in the paradigm of the mainstream, right? And it's like telling you what, whether it be about the, the, the devil's prick or the, the mask, whatever, like always get them with that last jab so that they're like a little off kilter and then you're out. And then so it's just kind I'd of- a to, good... I'd have to see that. I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 I'd like to think that, I, I just don't know. I'd, have to, I'd like yeah. to see an example of that. The way yeah, that yeah, yeah. you don't want to get into an argument either. You don't, you don't want them. I, I don't consider it to be a fight. So mm -hmm. if someone, I don't want to throw a jab. I just yeah, want to, yeah. I actually want to, if anything, it's like, I'm, I'm hugging them with what I'm, with what I'm coming at them with. And yeah. so I don't know. I, 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 but, I'm, but that does make sense to an extent. I'd like to see that in action. Okay. So get them with that last hug. Get them yeah. with that last hug. Last, of, like of, I care. Cause that's what yeah. it's all about. Yeah. You have to, they have to know that you care because the so, media has done such a good job of painting people like us as being, you know, everything from just like crazy to like evil psychopathic because we don't trust that we have to uh, establish that we are on the same page here. We are, you and I, we have the same values. We both care about the same things and they have to trust you first before you, before you can make any progress. I like the old feel felt found technique, you know, where you say, yeah, I know how you feel. Uh, I felt the same way, but what I found, and it's just a good way to kind of build a little bit of rapport, I think. So, um, 
That's really What good. do you think of that? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's great. I mean, think about it like this, mm-hmm. like what a terrible time to be blue pilled. I mean, what a nightmare. Ignorance is no longer bliss. Ignorance is hell. Ignorance is absolute terror. Being afraid that the healthy person you see walking outside your door could be a super spreader of a deadly virus. Like that's insane. So we have to have a lot of patience and a lot of empathy because they're living in total fear and it's not, there's a, they're not feeling good. <laughs> so we have to really put ourselves in their shoes and like come at them gently. And they've been yeah, talking to you. There's a lot of predictable phases that you go through when you find out, you know, an individual in your life, an institution that you used to trust has been deceiving you. It's just like a, a, a relationship at uh, ending badly. You know, you, you go through the, the despair, the anger, the sadness, the, you know, all that stuff. And some of us, for whatever reason, just started looking at things on our own. So we've had a long time just to go through those you know, predictable emotional states come out the other side and say, well, okay, now what do we do about it? But now what people are being asked to do is go through all that instantly. And I think it's right. just too much for a lot of people. Right, exactly. Yeah. When you when you start questioning things, you inevitably hold the mirror up to yourself and you have to question yourself and who who you are and what you're doing and what you know, are your values important? Is your career really what you thought it was? You know, and people are really hesitant to uh, tug on that thread. I think that's really, I mean, I think really that's the underlying all of it. Like that's the, re- that's the real reason why people have a hard time hearing perspective because it's too uncomfortable. It makes them, it would have, they literally have to start questioning everything because it is, you know, once that thread is pulled, the sweater comes undone and you have to, people aren't, don't want to do that. You know, you can't go yeah. back once you, uh, once you start shattering paradigms. Yeah, uh, and that's a good segue into what I think is one of the central themes in your work, which is it's all about changing yourself. Well, absolutely. And that's the, the so the point that I wish that I could like I could jump to and relay is that yeah, it's tough to accept that there's so much deception and evil out there and people with really bad intentions. But when you accept it and you work through that, on the other side is amazing. Like it's so worth it. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, you can crawl out of the rabbit hole and, and into a brand new world where, you know, like you guys are talking about self-sustaining uh, community and self-sustaining farms and homesteads and like all this beautiful truth that we don't need all these comforts of the system. Um, and that's what's on the other side. You have pure, real relationships where you're not, I don't know, all self-conscious about that, you know, if they're going to judge you because for your status or whatever, you know, that's the truth is like you shed all of this baggage but it's really intimidating and you have to accept that there is some really, there's some dark elements to our world. Yeah. It's like cutting and through the force of the machete. Yeah. You just got to like get through it. And all of a sudden, Oh yeah. Wait, it's clear. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's beautiful over here, but it takes work. And it's expansive, expansive. You're just, your world becomes a lot larger. And how exciting to be able to question everything. Right. I love, you know, this is the only experience I know that I'm going to have, I'd rather be, I, I like the idea of being able to question everything if I want to, and no one telling me like, no, 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 that's already settled. You can't question that. No, no, no. We've already come to the conclusion about that. I'm like, well, no, this is, this is my experience. This is my life. I want to know, you know, if there's any other perspective they had on literally everything, I want to hear it because it's interesting and it's, it's my life. <laughs> 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it's all about freedom, right? And sovereignty. What we're really talking about here is sovereignty and understanding yes. self-mastery is is questioning all and not being afraid to question. And I think a lot of the issues we have nowadays is we have a lot of grown-up kids running around who rely on other have given their authority away to uh, the quote-unquote you know, um, specialists or right. We're the professionals that just listen to us, trust the science. And, um, what happens is that they become a shell of what they're supposed to be on this, on this, in this realm. Um, so right. Speak to self mastery and all that. I assume fulfilled potential. Yeah. I think this is a giant child abuse cult. I think we're all, we up and it's on every, and it's on like a small, small scale to large scale. It's, we're all victims of child abuse. I mean, from prenatal, I mean, learning about like the traps of the, or the, the, the backwards nature of the hospital birth was a huge one for me. And from, so like everything is backwards from the moment you were brought into this world. And then through the toxicity that's in everything, you know, the food and the air and the water and the entertainment, everything is toxic and you have to work through it. You have to like work through that and evolve past that but it's all there to slow us down and to keep us in a certain train of thought um or trains of thought and therefore it's like we're all we're all coming out of uh, a child abuse system yeah uh, yeah and i'm i'm glad you mentioned that and the childhood uh, abuse really does start prenatal um you know, I had to do an internship. I did it at Stanford and I had to deliver so many babies as part of my training there. And I remember my first day in there, I'm in the doctor's lounge and it was a NFL playoff day. You know, it's like a weekend and all the doctors in there and I'm kind of the young guy, you know, just sitting there hanging. And, um, the nurses are coming in and telling the doctors room three is doing this and so forth. And the doctors are totally disinterested. A few hours later, games are over. The guys start calling their wives on the phone. What's for dinner? What are we doing tonight? Then they call the nurses in and all these bursts that they've been stalling for the last several hours. They're everybody, you know, about 12 babies were all born within a matter of minutes by, you know, chemically inducing C-sections, you know, yanking them out with forceps. And, you know, one thing that was most appalling to me, even though I was just totally into the conventional side at that point, I had no alternative training or or anything of the such. But um, I don't know if you've ever seen a a little uh, baby boy circumcised. Oh, I have. And. Mm -hmm. Oh, there you go. It's horrific. So, um, yeah, screaming with no sound coming out of the mouth. And then, of course, the umbilicus uh, is, you know, immediately cut. You know, that's supposed to be, you know, connected to the mom until it starts, stops pulsing and all that. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, the way that you're forcibly yanked out of the womb, it's just it's um, it's very barbaric. It's, it's incredible. Traumatic. I delivered our kids at home myself. So, did, so did we, we had our our son in a home birth. Yeah, it's traumatic. Fantastic. That's what I'm saying. And then, then that's just the beginning, you know. Yeah. And then you then you start eating crappy baby food and playing with toys that mess with your attention span, and watching terrible entertainment that plants subliminal messages and overt, like not even subliminal, like really blatant propaganda messages. Then you go into public school, and then you're brought up in this system where you're meant to be an automaton and not to reach your maximum potential. And we're taught that everything is meaningless. Everything is random. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a joke. 
It's a joke. It's a child. It's a giant child abuse cult. But that's <laughs> yeah. that's how people. That's why we're we're talking about how do we reach our friends and family because they're all products of the same system. And we luckily had a moment where we're like, huh, something's wrong here. And they haven't had that moment. They have it to an extent, which is something I I talk about in the course. Everyone has that access point where they know something's wrong. You kind of have to like find your way in and you know speak to that for them, uh, with them. But yeah, it's a, uh, it's a mess, man. Even Obviously. the even the vitamin K drops, which people say, oh, oh, it's just a vitamin. It has benzyl alcohol in it. Alcohol is a depressant to your breast nervous milk system. has vitamin K. Yeah, vitamin K is in breast milk. It's it's they give them vitamin D drops. Take the baby outside. It's mind boggling. Like it's it's also backwards. I'm very this the, the baby topic is very close to my heart since we just had a baby, and uh, we went deep down that rabbit hole of like the birth process and just knowing how the hospitals do it. And I don't think the people involved necessarily have bad intentions. They're products of the same system. They think they're doing what's right. So it's not that they are evil out to like this, you know, damage children. They're just doing what they're, they're doing what they've been taught, which they think is right. And it's just, it's just perpetuates this cycle. But yeah, the baby, the baby (laughs) issue is really, I'm really close to my heart. Obviously I have a nine month old baby and I'm, uh, you know, I learned all about it and I saw, I saw the pro he's a product of a natural birth with no drugs. My wife, Sonia didn't do epidural, didn't do Pitocin, didn't do all this stuff. And she suffered. I mean, she labored. It's called labor for a reason. Yeah. She had a really difficult labor and she was in pain, but he came out healthy. He came out without interference and her pain was his gain. And then she recovered. I mean, it's, It just comes with the territory and she's fine now. And, uh, um, but yeah, and the really next, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, when my training, really fires me up. <laughs> yeah, no, great. And it gives me hope, you know, because there are a growing number of people on the planet, just like yourself that are doing things different. And that's going to be, uh, uh, you know, a, a nucleus of a new population to build a, a new civilization and it's plenty. So I don't look at things pessimistically at all. Me either. You know, part of my training too was, uh, it was, I guess, a precursor to social distancing. And uh, by the way, I loved your meme, uh, social distancing is an oxymoron, which oh, is cool. so true. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great. But we were taught professional distancing. So we're constantly admonished, you know, do not empathize with your patient because then you won't be able to be detached. And, and, you know, that's, you know, most doctors are a product of that kind of training where it's just this cold thing. And that's why they just look at somebody, oh, we got your test back and you're going to die. You know, I mean, they're just like, there's, there's no connection there. And it's, it's just incredible. Wow. When empathy should be Um, the first thing they do is connect empathetically. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, backwards. Yeah. It's all backwards. It's, it's at a point now and I'm, you guys can probably relate where it's like, all right, what's the opposite of what the popular idea or opinion is? Cause it's most likely, if not totally the opposite, leaning towards the opposite. And it's like a total, everything's just so blatantly inverted at the moment. Maybe it's always yeah. been that way. I don't know. I can't tell. For, for a long time, I think, but now they've just perfected it to an art form, but not just an art form. They've taken it to ludicrosity. It's just, uh, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I, it feels like it's, I mean, I, of course now I don't really know what to believe about history. Like it's hard to determine exactly what has happened in the past, but it certainly seems like this has been a, 
slow and steady progress of getting people from self-sufficiency, from community and into dependency. And they got to this point, it's like it reaches the crescendo point. They're like, okay, enough people are totally dependent on the system. They don't know how to survive without it. Let's, boom, you know, pull the carpet from out from under them. And now they can do whatever we want because they don't know how to live without us. And that's what it seems like, yeah. especially with 2020, what would happen with the pandemic and all that. There's a growing number of uh, brilliant historians and archaeologists now that are uncovering our true roots in it, you know, and I believe this uh, civilizations, you know, well, the, yeah, there's that. And uh, but, you know, just ample evidence that there's plenty of civilizations that uh, lived peacefully with each other, uh, you know, with their neighbors. And, you know, what's really been a concerted effort is to just stamp out that that whole concept that people can actually get along with each other. Exactly. I can see it just in my lifetime, you know, when I was in college and, you know, my roommate you know, on the football team was a black guy, you know, lifelong friend and, and everything. And we were all getting along fine, raised our families together after, you know, party together, hung out, played ball together. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a problem. It was, you know, the most diverse situation in the world, but now all of a sudden everybody's a racist and, and, uh, you know, just escalation of that whole historical fabrication that we've all been a product of in, in the uh, educational, in, industrial educational complex, I guess you'd call it. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah, it's, uh, it's all by design and it's all taught to us to create more division. So we keep blaming each other mm -hmm. rather than seeing who's pulling the strings. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it seems mm -hmm. to be a continual uh, driving force to uh, shut out the Christ consciousness, to shut out the idea that humans indeed are supposed to be loving and joyous. It's the diminishing of joy. That's which yes. is great that your channel, you know, that your group is called Joy Camp, um, because that's really what it is. It's a war on consciousness, right? It's a it, and and they love war. And it's like everything's war, right? The germ theory, um, uh, critical race theory. All of these theories, right? Um, even the what calling conspiracy theory, it's a war on people who question that there are people colluding to uh, to be in you know in power. Um, everything's a war. It's based on a war model and um, place up here. Exactly, and yeah, Bear is right on in terms of there's some fundamental, fascinating uh, uh, alternative research into history and civilizations that weren't based on the war model that were living in harmony and joy as humans are supposed to be doing. Uh, and uh, I, I think it's important for us to embrace that and to embrace these alternative stuff. Um, in, in terms of that, in terms of the joy idea, I assume you bring that into your course if you want to go a little bit more into parhesia and and also maybe explain what the what that name means and the yeah, where yeah. that comes from and uh what what got you into doing this really sure so regarding joy optimism i consider myself to be an apocal optimist i refuse <laughs> I to be that. yeah i mean every time i look at my my baby boy i think there's hope for the future you know i think that every generation ever has a certain set of challenges to overcoming it's part of the deal here in this experience and this is our this is our brand this is our flavor and maybe this is a culmination of things but it's still there's always going to be challenge this is just the challenge we have to overcome and we have truth on our side and i think that's powerful that's undeniable so while 
circumstances are frustrating and the, then we have a lot to work out and we have a, you know, our, we have a lot of work to do. I do think ultimately, you know, I think good wins in the end. Um, so I infuse a lot. I try to infuse that through everything I do. I mean, I like to inspire people. I want people to feel activated and not defeated because when you're activated, then you're more ready to take action. You're more confident in yourself. And that's what we need. We need people to be, you know, more willing to just try stuff to see what sticks and see what works. It's okay to fail as long as you don't let the failure defeat you. Um, regarding the course. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, it, I, I saw a need, a need to communicate. People are losing their ability to communicate and I mean, look at the, we are, our primary mode of communication now is social media. And I think that is one of the reasons why we're losing our ability to communicate because we're not having actual interactions. We're having these Facebook debates where you're not feeling the other person's energy. You're having an actual give and take. You're just like, well, here's this opinion. Well, here's mine. Here's this link. Well, here's this link. Read this, watch this. And then boom, nothing's accomplished. What's the point? And then actually you just have animosity towards that person and you can't, you're not experiencing each other, experiencing each other to have empathy in the moment. Anyway, so I saw a need. I saw so many people just losing touch with people they care about because of their differing opinions. So I thought I want to try to help this because I'm, I, I, I feel like I have a good relationship, even with the people that I don't agree with things on. And because I've been harnessing sort of refining my built, my, my uh, methods of communication for the past 20 years, I've seen how I, I've seen like the, the ups and the downs of, you know, being a conspiracy theorist and uh, I'm good at navigating conversation and I'm good at communicating through mm, creation creations like joy camp sketch comedy with poetry which is another part of the course, like helping you find your voice uh, through a medium, because that'll help you harness your thoughts, be specific, speak from the heart and deliver something that perhaps is more palatable than just a in-person impromptu conversation. So it's a real, it's a whole spectrum of things. It's really like under the umbrella of communication. Um, and it's whether it's in front of a crowd, one-on-one -on -one, with a stranger, with a family member, or, uh, you know, harnessing your thoughts and your feelings into um, a created piece. Oh, and then the last thing we want to address, parhesia, the name uh, literally means free speech. It means to speak freely or boldly. In sp and specifically, it means to speak truth, to speak truth to power, which I think is really important. So mm. It's an amazing word that's been lost from our lexicon. And I think I know why, because it's a, it's a powerful concept. So you've integrated um, poetry into the mix. I know, you know, as far as your own poetry, which I've, I've heard a little bit, which is great. And um, now is that part of the course as well? And where does that fit in? Yeah, so there is, there's an element of poetry in the course uh, because I think it's an easy artistic expression to start. It's a muscle you can start flexing rather easily. You know, I, whereas maybe if you have if you have aspirations of being a, a harp player, that might be a little harder to do in ten weeks. 
but I can help you with your wordplay and like getting your thoughts into on the paper and construct it in a way that's, you know, not just a, a rant or like verbal diarrhea, but it's actually, you take your time to create a piece. So there is an element of poetry writing in the class and it's amazing. I mean, I had everybody in the first season produced an excellent poem, everybody. It's in all of us. We all have that potential. Um, and that's what I like to bring out. I mean, I think that we are created beings meant to create, and we're all capable of producing a masterpiece or masterpieces. And I really want to help people remember that. I'm getting it. more and more induced about taking your course myself the more <laughs> I listen here. You know, and I have looked over your site and I loved it. So um, how does the training work? Do you uh, take people just in groups or individually or both? Well, there's three tiers. The first tier is basically an observational <laughs> tier where you can experience the presentations that I put together and then participate in a QA. and a And then there's a middle tier, which is like, I guess, the class where people uh, partake in workshops that I lead, where we do exercises and we talk and I give them feedback and I work one-on-one. -on -one. And then there's a, a sort of like a top tier, which is very specific. It's for um, a one-on-one -on -one coaching, essentially. If you want me to help you, if you need coaching or feedback one-on-one -on -one about literally anything, I can help you, you know, figure out whatever it is you need. So yeah, it's, that's essentially it. Wonderful. So um, now you come from the entertainment industry. Uh, do you still communicate with some of your people down in Southern California? And, and I'm kind of, it's kind of a two-part question. I'm, you know, I listen to a lot of people in the celebrity world and, and I actually knew, know a few of those characters myself, but I'm wondering, you know, do they, are they just um, going by a script because their career depends on it? Or do a lot of those people really believe in, in some of the things that they're um, professing or what's going on down there? Uh, it's a mess down there. And I mean, that was the hardest thing, accepting that Hollywood was not only a part of the propaganda wing, but like integral to it was a real difficult thing for me to accept. Cause I had, I had a real, I had a real cognitive dissonance about Hollywood for all throughout my twenties, essentially, because I was so focused on that. And I had been since I was a kid, but when I finally accepted it, it was difficult. Again, it was like that going through the, the forest of the machete. It was, it was not a good, it was hard. But then on the other side of that, it was like, Oh, I can live a life without that and be just fine. Um, but to answer your question, I think very few people in Hollywood know exactly what they're a part of. I do think a few are, I think some are like, you know, led into that secret room and be like, okay, this, here's the deal. And I think even some are like, here's the deal. We have this video of you with this person. And if you say anything, you know, that happens too. I think it's what Epstein's Island was all about blackmail operation essentially. Um, but I think, you know, I think a lot of celebrities really believe what they're saying because the system has worked for them. They are rich and famous. They've achieved that dream. Even if they're unhappy, even if they're on antidepressants or they're getting plastic surgery or whatever, like they've made it. They're a part of that system. So they endorse it because it has worked for them. They are, they, they, they believe it. I mean, I, I, I'm definitely not one of those people who thinks that every celebrity is getting some script to read from. I think they really believe it. Just like, just like people in your family believe it. They're just falling under the same spell. They just happen to have a, a pedestal and a camera in front of them. 
yeah, that's that's point. how that's how the system perpetuates itself. That's how you explain the conspiracy that exists because most people are actors just looking for acceptance in the realm that they're in, and as we all are. And then once they're in, they're in, and they just will ride it out, you know, as humans tend to do. And that's in yeah. politics. That's in Hollyweird. That's in professional sports. Um, it's yeah. the brilliance of the system, right? It's the, it's the Luciferian deception or whatever you want to call it. It's the opt-in they've opted in and now they're, they're in. And then it's really hard to get out. You look at like maybe the Mel Gibson's or some of the people who have countered it, uh, publicly and well, well, Mel Gibson might not be the best example, but I have a good uh, example. Go ahead. This is a recent one. So there's a girl from the, um, from the black Panther movie who plays Shuri, who plays uh, T'Challa's sister in the Black Panther and the Avengers films. She posted on her Twitter, I think it was last year, a link to a video with doctors questioning the validity of vaccines. And it wasn't even like an anti, completely anti-vax thing, but they were just questioning the uh, something about it, right? Mm -hmm. It was just like bringing that perspective. And she just said, please watch with little like prayer hands. She got so viciously attacked by everybody, not only people on Twitter, but like her co-stars in the Avenger films. And I'm sure her management and her, her publicist and agent, everybody was like, you cannot, you have to, you know, retract, retract, apologize. And so she did. She deleted it. She deleted her Twitter. And then she went like underground. You haven't heard from her publicly since. And now she's back in the fold for all the upcoming Marvel projects. And you see this happen. I mean, a perfect example is uh, of someone who didn't agree to apologize is, Owen Benjamin, who is a friend of mine, another North Idahoan up here, who was on his way to being a total, like a star in Hollywood. And as a comedian, your job is to speak truth to power, which is what he did. And he made a comment that he refused to apologize for. And they absolutely kicked him out of the castle. I mean, he fell so hard from grace. He got dropped by everybody. His friends stopped associating with him. And all he said was essentially that giving kids puberty blockers is child abuse. I and they said, that. oh, you have to apologize. And they're like, what? I'm not going to apologize for that. They kicked him out. And he's now a homesteader in North Idaho. But he still gets hit pieces written about, written about him. And they're still calling him a cult leader and a white supremacist and a racist and an anti-Semite. All this stuff simply because he wouldn't apologize. A forced apology. Um, so, yeah, that's what happens. I mean, he's a perfect example of like, Okay, here's what happens when you don't you don't apologize. Now, granted, he's bounced back. Like he's completely, you know, it was the best thing that could have happened for him, really, because he turned he found the silver lining. He turned it into a, the, the challenge into an opportunity. But for that girl in Black Panther, you know, she's now just like, okay, now I'm back to just being your your worker. I'm it's ironic that uh, he gets called a cult leader from the cult because oh, exactly. they're like the total definition of a cult. If you don't abide by their rules, you get kicked out. It's no freedom at all. It's, it's like, all inverted. The, the tolerant inverted. people are the most intolerant. I mean, it's all it's all just flipped. Owen's crushing it. I'm actually in the Bertaria app. I haven't been in there in a while, but I I engage with all these stuff. I'm always curious awesome. what people Owen's are great. doing. He's got yeah. a vibrant community across the world of the bears. Shout out to bears. We've got bears in here all the time on our chat and stuff that follow us. Yeah, it's, love uh, Owen. yeah Owen's great. And he speaks his truth every day. And, and I, I'll admit he triggers me sometimes because he's so flagrant with his truth speaking. And he, he pushes the boundaries as a comedian supposed to do. I mean, talk about lie was been like one of the worst things in the last 20 years with the whole 
PC culture going insane is the comedy has just flatlined. Died. Yeah, died. It's really sad. This is one of the reasons why I do. So even though I don't do Joy Camp anymore, I host a weekly uh, meme show on my YouTube channel. And it's also Bit Shoot, Brighteon, and Odyssey. But because uh, I, I, we, we need humor. We need to laugh. And comedy's dead. And I think, unfortunately, memes are the strongest aspect of comedy right now. That's where the comedy is, is like online memes. Like that's where we're, where we're at. So I'm showcasing that. Like here, here's some did, memes that speak truth to power that are funny and you can share them. Did you get a talk to, uh, to um, David Avocado Wolf at the festival at Music and Sky at all, the we, meme master we, himself? Oh no, we actually, I didn't get a chance to talk to him at all. He was having meme, uh, uh, he was going through meme withdrawals because we didn't have internet there or we had kind of internet. Oh, man. Him. He's like, I'm going through meme withdrawals. I got to go find internet. I got a meme. Dude, I got a meme. Send him, send him to my show. He'll love it because I basically collect memes, you know, all the best memes, literally for the, for the, for a whole week. And then I showcase them about a hundred per show. And then I deliver them to you as a, in a zip drive so that you can use them on whatever platform you want. So, you know, again, communication memes sometimes are a great way to communicate big ideas in a real bite-sized way and uh if he's a if he's a meme addict he's got to watch me monday with benny wills <laughs> that's amazing by the way if uh if you could pass on to owen that i'm the original bear <laughs> i'll let him know <laughs> uh uh yeah and you know in terms of what we're talking about here i think overall is art right and creating and that's what's so brilliant about what you do with your oratory skills with poetry with everything you're talking about and what we you know music and sky was an event we did that you were you came and spoke at and crushed it on the sta on your stage talk and actually really loved your poem about they i know it's kind of one that people really know well and it's uh, i don't know bear if you've heard his poem about the they um I, I would almost love if you could bless us with saying it on here. I don't know if I'm putting you on the spot, but it is so good because it it's it's a great way to talk about conspiracy theorists in a funny way, but also opens people's eyes up that maybe haven't considered all these days. Um, and then it's just got a great kind of ending to it. Uh, I think it's how you ended your talk, but yes, um, it is. Yeah, yeah I can do it. I'll, I can great. do it. Just launch into it. Sure. I have to read it. I don't have this one memorized. Okay. All right. Great. This is this is the answer to the age old question: Who is they? Because uh, I don't know. You, you guys can probably relate. Someone at some point when you try to bring something up, they're like, "Well, who's they?" And then, <laughs> how do you answer that question? You know, because it's not about. It doesn't really matter. Well, anyway, I'll read the poem. They. They are ruthless. They are heartless. They don't care about our health. They are greedy, they are seedy, they rob us of our wealth. They deceive us, they mistreat us, they numb us with TV. They mislead us, they disease us, they say obedience is key. They put poison in the water, they put poison in the air, they put poison in the food supply, then they tell us that they care. They peddle pills to millions, they push debts into the trillions, they scare us, they impair us, while they carpet bomb civilians. They teach us life is meaningless. They tell us all is random. They say have faith in scientists and authority in tandem. They are ubiquitous. They seem 
omnipresent. They control the past from perches present. They plot and plan and scheme in secret exploitation, their great achievement. The puppeteering invisible all seers, the profiteering racketeers of fear, the cult of death to which mankind adheres, they are behind it. But who is they? <laughs> Satanists, Zionists, globalists, socialists, people who write the news, Freemasons, Disney, Jesuits, the Vatican, NASA, Netflix, the Jews, bankers, aliens, the Clintons, the Queen, the Rothschilds, Henry Kissinger, Crown Council of 13. It doesn't really matter because the solution to they is we. Us <laughs> and you and me. They are pathological. They are pitiful. They are diabolical. They are miserable. They are wicked beings living wickedly. And their punishment is their wickedness. Brilliant. Absolutely That's, brilliant. Thanks. That's they. <laughs> <laughs> and what I love about that yeah, yeah. Is, is it it delivers like a meme, right? So much. So like, I, I mean, you just covered the whole gamut of, of so many tactics and issues we're having in this inverted reality, but in a way that's playful, in a way that's like, like people that might have never even thought of this stuff have been maybe had a little light turned on, but in a way that's not conflicting, right? It's not driving at them it's just a it's a poem it's it's rhyming it's dr seussish yeah way. exactly exactly well you can turn it into something that's melodic that's fun that's creative that's and also very pointed it's you know that would a conversation with all those elements in it could be days long but to consolidate it and put it into a fun you know structured piece yeah it's it's also harder to debate a poem right it's harder to get into an argument about a poem uh, I had someone just two weeks ago say, because I have another poem called Hands, which is all, which is a true story about a mother and her son who had some oh. damage after a, you know, a you know what. That's and, a very uh, good one. You said that one at Music and Sky too. I, I did. That. that was heartfelt. Yeah. And I had someone just two weeks ago, yeah, two weeks ago, say that their cousin decided not to, you know, stab their, her kids because of that poem. And I think, there you go. My job is done. That's, well, that's the best news you could report to me. I, I don't want to put you on spot again or just have you do your poetry, but uh, anyway, we could hear that one. Is it too Well, how about or? this one? We'll, how about we, we link this one to viewers and listeners? Yeah. It's pretty in-depth. And I, mm -hmm. my, my one, see, as a, as a perfectionist, I... that was the one poem after Music and Sky that I was like, maybe I shouldn't have done that one because I like doing that one memorized and i pulled it uh, off i didn't have it i hadn't done it in a while so i read it off my phone and you know for that one to have its most impact i think is when i'm not reading when it's really just flowing out so uh we can link it and then people can watch it and i think yeah wonderful we'll, we'll link and, and we'll i understand yeah. i understand what you're saying that would be wonderful it's 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 probably my best piece because it's 
based on a true story. And it's about a very important subject. And my goal with it, when I wrote it was like, if this can help anybody, then it's worth it. You know, I want, and I've had so many parents come up to me after I read, after I perform this poetry and they're crying and they're like, that's my story, you know? So when it's, it's absurd. So you, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you describe how in your methodology, you know, you teach people how to talk from the heart, but without emotion. So how do you differentiate there? Well, without emotion basically means getting worked up and passionate. So you're just like, ah, you know, that's what I mean by, by emotion. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's not like there's a, cause that can sound almost contradictory, right? From the heart, but without emotion, it's basically teaching you to take your time. So even if it's the most important thing and you're speaking directly from the heart, it's a give and take. It's a dance. You have to drip it out. See how it's landing first. See, gauge the person. Every person is different. And if you just like, wow, fire hose them, you're going to lose them. So you have to feel them out, see where they're at, you know, and then respond. It's all about reacting instead of taking, you know, you know, take, making sure you take the ball and drive it into the end zone, just like pass the ball back and forth. You're on the same team and see where they're at and then disseminate your information accordingly and do it usually in a question format and also detached. Like it's something I teach in the course, try not to own the opinion, try not to say like, this is the way it is just like, Hey, you're, you know, there's another way to look at this. Some people think that there's other ways to frame ideas so that it's not being proposed as like, this is the hill I'm going to die on this idea right here. Um, yeah. So what you're saying by detached is detached from your own ego, detached from your need to push your ego upon others, but not detached compassionately from them. Correct. Yeah, because that's where you win, I think, is the heart to heart connection and exactly. getting on their level and releasing. And this is what yogis talk about, right? This is what like all the great masters talk about, which is coming from a place of truth that's detached from ego detached from even duality, right? Just coming into that essence of love. Well, to bring it full circle. Okay. So this is something I say a lot in the course is, a, is think fast, talk slow. A lot of times we get ahead of ourselves and we'll find ourselves rambling to a point where, where we just add filler words and sounds. And we hope that we arrive at the place we want to arrive to, but we kind of take our time getting there. This is something I learned from doing Shakespeare was think fast, talk slow. When you study Shakespeare, you learn that nothing is, everything that's thought is said in Shakespeare. That's what, that's what soliloquies are. They're thought processes, but you're saying them out loud to the audience. And the soliloquy is just a, is a, is a conversation with the audience. They're just not speaking back. And one of the best pieces of advice anyone ever gave me in doing Shakespeare was think fast, talk slow. So you don't take pauses. You don't stop to think about like, hmm, what am I going to say next? You're thinking in real time and speaking in real time, but you're letting, you're giving yourself, you're taking your time so that your words come out in a way that is direct and thoughtful, but not rushed. So you're thinking fast, you're having, your mind's going a mile a minute, but then you just take your time saying it. And it's, uh, it was really valuable in performing Shakespeare and in acting. And it's also can really help in conversation and if you're confused by what I just said, I elaborate on it a lot in the course. And, you know, authentically speaking from the heart, it's uh, it conveys a palpable resonance that really penetrates the mental plane and, uh, 
and breaks down a lot of those barriers. And it's, you know, regardless of the, the content, it's, it's, you really can't argue with that, that it's, it's an actual resonance that only the heart can convey. Right. And the key word you just said was authentic. I think that is the ultimate key. Be authentic, be, be your, your authentic self. You know, I would never teach someone to communicate the way that someone like Mark Passio does, for instance, because he's very angry and he really, you know, he sometimes even yells his points, but it works for him. So he's authentic. And that's why you listen to him. You're like, this guy is no BS. This guy is like, he's not trying to pull a fast one on me. He is, he means what he says. So I'm not saying it's okay to like, just, okay, I'm gonna take the passive approach. Be yourself, be you, but don't, and don't try to be anyone else. So authenticity is like one of the most important aspects of true expression. Mm -hmm. This is also a, a great course for uh, marriage sounds like, because <laughs> some of the most triggered times when I am not slowing down and thinking before I speak is when my wife and I get into something, right? And I think that I think a lot of people who are married can can uh, understand this because you're so passionately intertwined with each other. And yep. you know, if you're properly married, right? You're Especially in a when the baby's crying in the background, and you're trying to. Yeah. Um, do you talk at all about breath work at all, or or kind of going to breath before, or you know? Yeah, you know, I do. I talk about breath work, um, especially in regard to how to how to get on top of. Uh, fear. So especially with public speaking, the first thing I talk about in the course, it's not a public speaking course, but I do talk about public speaking because it's a method of communication and a lot of people are afraid of it. So I talk about how to sort of mitigate that fear. And I, yeah, so how using your breath can help you calm down, focus, get out of your head. Um, Cause it's not about, it's not about conquering fear. I think that concept is all wrong. You don't conquer it. You just have to control it so that it doesn't keep you from taking action. And as far as technique goes to like taming it, getting yourself back on track, grounding breath work is essential. Fantastic. So um, not to change the subject, because I could talk about this all day, but maybe tell us, I know you're a little bit into a new homesteading project and um, you know, how's that going? Uh, it's a work in progress. Mainly it's good. I mean, hearing the way you open the show, Mike talking about what you have going on over there, I'm like, man, okay, that's what we're going for. And, uh, it sounds like you're early in it. We, our community is starting to form. I mean, we really have some amazing, we know, amazing people up here in North Idaho, the community in North Idaho, the communities are, uh, just amazing. The best people up here. And we, we basically just swung for the fences. We, bought a 10 acre homesteading property in North Idaho, two miles on a dirt road in the middle of the forest. And the house was a work was not the best, but we, you know, it was the perfect situations. We're like, well, all right, we'll deal with it. We'll, we'll do, we'll, we'll, we'll fix the house up. Once we bought the property, found out that it was uh, a tear down. So we had to tear it down and we're rebuilding it. So it's been a pretty long summer, a pretty long few months. We thought we were going to be only about five or six weeks of remodel. Now it's turned into almost, it's gonna be six months when it's all said and done. So we're, this is not my home that I'm in right now. We're really ready to settle down, but we've been living in a state of sort of 
untethered weirdness for the past few months, um, which has been its own challenge and hopefully will be stronger as a result. But to answer your question, we, yeah, we're, we're really determined to have this flourishing homestead property with a flourishing community and um, with as little dependency on Babylon as possible. Yeah. What I can say from experience, when you're on a new piece of land, it takes a little while, you know, you actually imprint in the land and then it becomes a real two-way communication, you know, in a very real way. And then the land really starts revealing itself in the process. And then you kind of, it becomes more clear as far as what you're supposed to be doing there, where you're supposed to put things and so forth. So, um, you know, my only advice to anybody that's uh, doing what you're doing is just kind of be patient. Everything's going to work out. And uh, you just don't have all the pieces of the puzzle until you've been there for a while. Makes sense. Yeah, I feel it. We, Sonia, my wife and I, we are, we've, we've, we're really good at just going for things just and doing like a trust fall with whatever situation we're in and things always work out. And this has been the biggest one we've done that with and uh it it's not worked out quite yet but it will and i know that the, the best thing the best things in life that have the best rewards take the most work so we are yeah taking it one day at a time but yeah, yeah. I, I i'm i'm excited <laughs> to make that imprint on the land and um be a leader in the community up here yeah. And, and you made another great point in that you guys just go for it. And that's, I think, a knack that's been lost on the general population. Uh, my wife and myself, we've always done it to just done harebrained things, you know, as far as our, you know, friends and family think. But, uh, you know, you just kind of jump into both feet. And I think, the, you know, the, the biggest tragedy is um, in our contemporary society is nobody wants to take risk anymore. Everybody wants to do the formula. You go to school, you get the job. And, and boy, to me, uh, you know, from day one, it just always seemed like a slow death. And, you know, you have some experiences, sometimes some hair raising ones, but in the long run, it's just so much more rewarding. There's so many more surprises. Life is interesting. And uh, you go back to those old folks that, uh, you know, are questioning you early on and they look at you and say, wow, good job. Leap and the net will appear. That's a magnet on my fridge. <laughs> I love that. Well, yeah. you know, someone who is in drama and, and and done plays and stuff, you understand the hero's arc, the hero's journey. And sure. isn't it devastating to think that most people's hero's journey is the mundane side character. It's the extra in the movie and not the actual hero anymore. And that's what a hero does. What's the hero do? It takes takes risks. Um, that's what the whole adventure is. That's something I always talk about on the show is be your own hero in your journey. Yep. My wife and did, and I did the same thing. We moved from Redondo beach up here and on a whim after a camping trip to visit the farm at the gardens here that Baron Deb had moved to. We said, okay, we found a house. Let's buy it. We're moving. And people were like, what? She had friends crying. Um, it was, um, and that's how we roll. And I tell you, I, I, say this all the time i every morning i come out and i kiss the ground that we're here um so you guys are doing it right you've got community up there and um you know i feel like there is divine um will at play um and there we do these things by listening to our intuition you know jump in the net will catch you but your intuition already knows that that that's there in some ways right totally and in addition to what you said that the heroes in the stories 
always or usually expose corruption. They challenge authority, and uh, they expose the, uh, the the real conspiracies behind the scenes. I mean, so much of entertainment is that exact model. Um, but yeah, I mean, we so Sonia and I we left California 2018, left Los Angeles literally in the middle of the night. We sold all of our stuff. And we were both, we both had a pretty, we're doing rather well in Hollywood. We were both making all of our money in commercials. And that was, again, challenging to my integrity. But when we decided to move, we just ripped it off like a Band-Aid. We sold everything, left in the middle of the night without anywhere to go. And we figured it, we thought, like, we'll figure it out. Anywhere is better than here. So we left, bought a travel trailer in Las Vegas and lived in that for two years <laughs> <laughs> and somehow made our way to North Idaho. And it, it does, it all feels very, um, it's a, it's a, it feels like it's a spiritual journey. Like we, we, we trusted and then we were led to here, to this place. Mm. And it's, so do you live in close proximity to Owen up there? Yeah. He lives about 30 minutes from me. Oh, great. Which is, which is practically like, that's like a neighbor in North Idaho since we're all doing the homesteading right. thing. 30 minutes is pretty close. <laughs> yeah, that's how it is here too. We drive two hours to go certain things to pick up stuff. People, and yeah. people down south are like, two hours to go to this one co-op or whatever. I'm like, dude, it's two hours driving through beautiful forest roads. And oh, yeah. You know, and it's like two hours is Glendale to Santa Monica and California. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I do have a, a good question from the peanut gallery here. Um, yeah. Uh, does Benny have any material slash training for school age kids? Us and new homeschoolers are chomping at the bit for some great materials from Brave Truth Mom. Wow. Great question. And the answer is I'm working on it. That's actually my next, next big project is to write a children's book. Um, I want to do, because I have I just finished, I think is like my first poetry book. I want to write for children. I want to and not only that, I'm also developing the next course I want to develop is uh, trivium education mm -hmm. and focus specifically on how to teach the trivium to kids, how to teach critical thinking, discernment of reality uh, to children. Because I think a, a trivium education for children would also be very beneficial to adults. Yep. Um, so that's, I don't have anything currently. I mean, I guess some of my poems and stuff, but I'm now that I have a son, now that I'm around a lot of families, everything's changing and i do want to focus more on yeah just leaning into that father side of me i guess and uh and and the teacher side and being writing material book or children's books poetry for kids and also creating a curriculum for children so that they can grow up with better critical thinking capacity than i had growing up yeah fantastic yeah that's um that would be amazing and I think with kids, uh, the key is, is we need to flip that inversion that imagination is not real, but all these little factoids are when, you know, it's the exact opposite. Mm. And, um, you know, one thing we did with our own kids, you know, that I kind of picked up from traditional cultures, uh, like in Tibet, what they do is um, before you even give information, you you develop the imagination by having the kids create a palace in their mind. And you could spend months or even a few years on it. And it's just an elaborate place with hundreds of rooms and stairways and halls and pieces of furniture with cubby holes. And, and you know, and, and then that becomes so real after a while 
that it's no different than you and I, you know, just walking into our bedroom or something. And then when they've got their imagination honed, you know, to that level, then you can start giving them pieces of information and then they can take that information and then go throw it in a drawer somewhere or something, but they'll never forget where that is. But then you coupled the trivium quadrivium method in it. And of course you're teaching kids not to just name something, but actually observe and, you know, uh, see what the characteristics are and really get to know things firsthand by their own observation and not just with what somebody else told them. And then, of course, advanced uh, uh, education is all about getting into the, you know, the sacred sciences, the four pillars of the trivium. So, I mean, imagine what kind of population we turn out if kids started day one doing that sort of thing. Exactly. Well, that's why I want to hone in on it, because I think if we had a, a foundation of critical thinking, we wouldn't be in this mess. I think that that's been part of, that's a huge component of why we're in this problem. And, you know, it's multi-generational. So after a few generations, yeah. when critical thinking has been removed from education, then, well, you, uh, you stop being able to decipher what is the truth very easily. And it becomes emotion-based, what feels true rather than what is yeah. yeah, we need to we have bring an, critical thinking back. We have an epidemic of uh, the third phase of the trivium, just the rhetoric. It's people exactly. spitting out the rhetoric without the first two important steps. We exactly. uh, we did an alpha cast on the trivium quadrivium uh, uh, beginning of this year, guys. So people listening that want more information on this, Bear and I did a whole episode on that. Uh, super, super important um, to understand these things. Uh, and it's great, Benny. I feel like there's a, a massive trend in our community moving towards uh, uh, children's education and, and focusing on the children, which obviously is more important than ever. Uh, something with Music and Sky, you were there. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit of your experience too, as we're coming up to the end here of your experience at Music and Sky as a, as a ex-burner, uh, Burning Man attendee. Also, one thing that we're moving towards, which we've been very vocal about, is more focus on family, mo more focus on the kids, more focus on making it this very accepting kind of um, place for families that are freedom loving, that are seeking this information to come and gather in a very safe environment, but also to be able to explore concepts and allow their kids to roam freely and meet other kids of like ilk. Um, but yeah, um, how was your experience there? I, I think you uh, uh, would love to hear that. Yeah, no, I had a great time and I really appreciated the invite and just overall experience. Um, it was really, it was great for a number of reasons. I love the family aspect. It made me wish that my family was there with me to see so many children and babies was very, uh, was, was beautiful and also made my heart hurt a little bit because it was the longest I, longest amount of time I spent away from my son. Um, but in a way, I mentioned this in my talk, it was oddly therapeutic for me because I used to be a burner. I used to go to festivals pretty often in my twenties. Um, I thought Burning Man types were the ones closer to understanding a bigger picture. And I kept being met, I, I was met with resistance over and over again when I was trying to really dig into uh, bigger concepts and ideas. And, you know, there's just like a, I guess a lot, maybe it's just my the burners I knew from my camp, but tended to be rather socialist leaning, rather government loving. And it ended, it just kind of ended poorly for me. Like I, I was really trying to force that community and it wasn't working. And then I walked away and I don't talk to any of these people anymore. And uh, I kind of like just 
I don't know, walked away from Burning Man with a sour taste in my mouth after going for seven years. And going to that festival and being around of like Burning Man type people was great because it showed that not all Burning Man types are just, you know, government loving uh, statists. And it also proves the point that I always make that there is no stereotype for someone who is seeking truth and questioning authority. It's anybody, anywhere, anytime, any age, race, gender, anything. And it was great to be around a bunch of, uh, you know, hippies <laughs> who were also willing to challenge official narratives. Uh, that was really refreshing. So it was great. It was like, it was like what I wanted Burning Man to be. And I finally got yeah. to experience it five years after going to my last burn. Fantastic. And that is the core philosophy of Alpha Vedic and of Music and Sky is just question and, and embrace people who are open to questioning and, and don't cast, um, you know, stereotypes on that, because even in our community, it's very diverse. You know, you've got people that embrace flat earth theory, you have people that are embrace the globe, you have people that are carnivores, people that are vegan. We don't we don't diverge on any of those paths, we are open to all that are open to questioning and being heartfelt in their own search for that. And I think that's like a core tenet of how we in our own, you know, much less than talking to people than are more in the mainstream, but even in our own community, this greater awakened community, right? We have so much conflict that separates us over these topics. And I think even your course could help within our own communities, right? Of coming together and, and communicating in a more heartfelt way and not having those annoying distractions. Yes, agreed. Yeah, I'm really passionate about the course. It's, um, it's my greatest creation because it's a service and it's symbiotic, you know? If you trust, you trust me with your time, I'll give you my time and uh, I, and it works. Like I, I, I feel fulfilled helping people. So it, it's uh, mutually beneficial and I'd rather get paid helping people than doing anything else. Yeah. Well, you are uh, absolutely one of those shining lights on the planet, and it's been <laughs> delightful talking to you today. Um, do you have any uh, final topics you'd like to cover or departing pearls you'd like to share? No, it's probably a good time for me to go uh, track down my wife and baby and let them come back into this studio. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I just want to, you know, if people are interested, make sure they know where to find me. You can, it's really easy. Go to BennyWills.com. It's B-E-N-N-Y-W-I-L-L-S. It's Wills, not Willis. People make that mistake all the time. Um, <laughs> courses, Parhesia. There's a free webinar you can watch on my website in case you, you know, want to get a taste before you dive in. If you're interested, you got to sign up right now because I'm going to close uh, registration next week. We're starting now. Like we had the, I had the prologue presentation on Tuesday workshop, the first workshop day after tomorrow. And um yeah, I, I don't want people to wow. get too far behind if they're interested, but I don't want to turn anyone away either. So if you're interested, just make sure you uh, take action and sign up. If you, if you want to have any questions, email me, Benny at BennyWills.com. Oh, and watch the meme show. My meme show every Monday night, 7 p.m. Pacific on YouTube, and then it pops up on all the other alternative sites as well. What's that called? How do we find that on YouTube? So my it's just my name, YouTube.com slash BennyWills. Cool. And that is all my poetry. Well, some of my poetry on there. And uh, yeah, the show is called Meme Monday. 
and I do it at seven. It's premieres 7 p.m. Pacific every Monday, and then you can watch it whenever you want. And it's also on BitChute, Brighton, and Odyssey. Fantastic. We'll put all those uh, links in the show notes below and the description. Cool. So please follow Benny if you're not following him already. Benny, where would you, you got anything else coming around the horizon that we should know about? Now, the next eight to 10 weeks are all about the course for me. So this is season two. I'm immersing myself in it. Within eight weeks, we should be moving into our house. So yeah, I'm, I'm hunkering down for now. And then what's to come after that? I don't know. The music in Sky was my, was my last scheduled appearance publicly and uh we'll see when i get to do it again well we would love to connect, so, connect with you uh some more and uh, and just you know keep you involved with our community we will uh go ahead and post a link on our telegram and our discord routing to the course because i'm sure a lot of people are going to want to sign up so that'd be awesome yeah i'd love to have you wonderful maybe bear will so benny um from our entire community here the best to you good luck with your new homestead and uh Good job on the family. Uh, thank you so much. All right, guys, this has been a real treat. And I will, yeah, talk to you guys soon. Later. Okay. Later, Benny. Thanks. Uh, and everybody, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we love you. If you found this information captivating and interesting, please share with your family and friends. Uh, go support Benny. Give this a like, a thumbs up. And uh, we love you. We'll see you uh, soon. Um, Bear and I, maybe we'll do an in-house talk next Thursday. I don't, we don't have anyone set yet, so we'll talk about it. Hey, why don't we? Uh, that would be kind of fun. Yeah. I've got a lot of interviews on other shows and everything, so it'd be kind of refreshing just for you and I to have a chat. Yeah, yeah, plenty to, to discuss. So, um, okay, guys. Well, hey, everybody have a great rest of your week. Enjoy your weekend. Get outside. Go grow something. Plant something. Get your feet in the dirt. Uh, go for a hike. Mother Nature is the best uh, reminder of who we are and why we're here. We love you guys. We'll see you next time. Cheers.